Hello and welcome to the Ben Like Bamboo podcast where I get to interview special guests about their story um, and what resilience means to them. Hello and welcome Toby Puttick. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. Let me introduce you properly. Toby is an all-round foodie and founder of Made by Toby, which is how I met you because I started ordering your beautiful organic and fresh and ready, uh, ready-made ready meals that are sustainable and healthy, a huge passion of mine. So let me, let's talk about some of the things you've done. You've honestly achieved so much, Toby. I could see, I could talk here for hours actually talking about everything you've done, but let's talk about the main aspects. So Toby Patik um, began his cooking career at Melbourne's Cafe Ecucina, a favourite of mine before traveling to picturesque Lake Como. I love Lake Como. I've been very lucky to be there. Um, In Italy to work at the beautiful hotel in Florence. And after years of perfecting his culinary skills, Toby traveled to the UK to work at the famous River Cafe, cooking alongside a young Jamie Oliver, who shared his passion for simply cooked Italian food and became his close friend. Toby then returned to Melbourne, Australia in 2000 after further stints in Italy and Switzerland to set up restaurant Termini. And in 2002, his old mate Jamie presented him with a new challenge to return to the UK to become the head chef of the first 15 restaurant, a social enterprise to teach underprivileged youths to become chefs in a gourmet environment. How was that? It was uh, pretty crazy. I mean, it's... it's (laughs) It's a big story. It's um, Jamie. So when Jamie kind of got really big, there was a lot of, you know, celebrity chefs were on the rise before that they weren't really a thing. And um, there was a few, but they were kind of wearing bow ties and drinking a lot of wine and and they were much older. There weren't many young people. So Jamie was looking for, there was demand for a restaurant from Jamie and Jamie being the all around good guy, wanted to do something that gave back. So mm. he had a idea um, and the rest of it would come into fruition as we actually were operating. And um, the problem with that was we opened with a TV show that, you know, prime time in the UK. So we we're instantly booked out for six months. So I think at one stage they were getting more phone calls, you know, during a prime time TV show on Channel 4, big population London, more phone calls than uh, beat. <laughs> which is British Telecom and Heathrow combined. And wow. the long, yeah, not consistently, but there were periods. And yeah. Um, yeah, so it was pretty full on. It was like a lot of underage kids who had just got their license, just got their license being given the keys to an overpowered Lamborghini. <laughs> Absolutely. What a yeah. wonderful cause. And then you came to Melbourne and you opened up 15 in, in Melbourne as well. Yeah, so I sort of skipped over an important thing there. I think working with the young people gave Jamie, me, everybody involved, our our careers as chefs a much higher purpose than um, what we'd previously been doing of just cooking and uh, getting people's cholesterol up and taking their money and watching them waddle out of the restaurant. So using cooking as the tool or vehicle to give young people between the age of 16 and 24 confidence that, they can actually achieve something um, through the skills you learn in kitchens, timekeeping, discipline, yeah. uh, those things, organisation. 
was was amazing. And um, a lot of those people in UK and Australia didn't go on to cook, but through the tools and confidence they got from executing dishes and, you know, just just kitchen, chef tools. Uh, yeah. They went on to, to work. I think it was like 95% of them went on to work, which is amazing. Um, yeah, so we did it in Australia as well for six years, uh, yeah. which was amazing. It was cool. Absolutely. And uh, working overseas and in Europe um, with food, is that what birthed your passion for organic and sustainable seasonal ethical eating? I think, yes. Cooking in Melbourne at the beginning, and this is before organic ingredients and all that kind of stuff, um, were, were a, a trendy thing, I guess. But in the very beginning, uh, ingredients would come in, we'd cook them and they'd go out. It probably wasn't until I started working at the River Cafe where I met Jamie and a bunch of other very lovely and talented folk uh, where, where I really started to get an appreciation for actually raw ingredients and watching how, you know, I don't want to undermine it, but how little they do to the food, but how much, or the ingredient I should say, but how much effort would go into sourcing those ingredients. It's like much of the effort would go into finding the best mozzarella they can get from Italy, getting it there as quickly as they can. So it's got a, a high creamy moisture content, but then just putting it on a plate with a new season, very fresh harvested olive oil, excellent salt and pepper and some warm tomatoes. That's a dish. And you know, they're not dehydrating those tomatoes and turning them into a powder and reshaping them. It's just showcasing good ingredients. So I think I got a huge appreciation for food, um, for just just food and not the actual twisting and turning of food, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Keeping it simple and, you know, as it turns out, when we keep food in its most natural state and we focus on, you know, um, nutrients in, in food to keep it in its most natural state and where our food comes from matters. I can't speak properly today. Where our food comes from matters. And I, I learned on my journey <laughs> trying to heal from MS and I was, you know, quite sick, you know, nearly 20 years ago now. And I came across some studies and a neurologist that was also in a wheelchair and I was in a wheelchair and it's taken her nearly nearly 20 years for her research to really be out there to be understood and accepted um, by other neurologists and doctors that are now teaching other people with MS and autoimmune disease that food matters and when we when we keep it simple in the kitchen we're also maximizing nutrients. Food, food, in a way, saved my life as well. I got spat out of kitchens. I don't want to digress too much, but in 2012, I got spat out of kitchens at the close of 15 with what I didn't know was super high anxiety, and I was operating at a at a crazy level. Um, yeah. I was losing eyesight because of uh, the amount of stress I was under. My cortisol yeah. level through the roof, and um, and. I never was taking time to, you know, the check yourself before you wreck yourself. It was just go, 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 go. And uh, it wasn't until I ended up um, in, in a specialist office and they're like, yeah, you've actually lost 37% of your eyesight in your left eye and probably 25 something in your right. You don't realise because it's happened so slowly. And I was like, oh, okay. And it was, I was basically 
they said, so I was like, what do we do? Do we take meds? Like, what do we do here? What's the fix? And they said, well, the fix is you need to decrease your stress levels. So yeah. I stormed out of there, stormed to my GP, and I sat down. I was like, right, I'm really stressed. What do we do? She starts writing me a bunch of prescriptions. And as she was doing that, I kind of stopped listening to her and thought, yeah, this doesn't sound like uh, a solution. It sounds like a Band-Aid. It sounds yeah. like what I do is understand how to process information better mm. and how to not let myself become the stress mm. and see that as I'm here, that's an issue. How do I deal with it? But I started doing um, yoga like four or five times a week. I wrote a cookbook called The Chef Gets Healthy based on the food we're eating at home at that time, which was just very simply cooked you know, lots of grilled fish and stuff like that. And yeah. I uh, reversed the eye problem within three months and it's an ongoing thing. So it's, it's maintenance, but food played a huge part. And uh, as a result, we were told we couldn't have kids and switching my diet up, reducing sugar. I, st I still was eating ice cream and I didn't go all the way, but um, I just made some huge life changes, pregnant naturally within two, three months. And uh, yeah, so life, yeah, I get really worried about our, um, you know, our lives these days. And we touched on this before you record where it's all about um, succeeding money, working hard to get the money. Then you have a family and there's heaps of pressure to provide and everything's getting more and more expensive, but at what cost? And um, people aren't looking after themselves and the supermarkets aren't looking out for us either. They're just feeding us the most profitable food they can get into us. That's keeping us addicted to it. And um, in turn, you know, feeding the medical industry. But I'll Absolutely stop. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. And it's so important to talk about this kind of stuff because we need to educate ourselves. We need to bring this into our awareness so we can make better choices. And what you're doing with Made by Toby is you are making it more accessible to eat healthy fresh, nutrient-dense food, which is going to change the world. Uh, yeah, and and we've spoken about this before, Amanda, but it was like this um, didn't this idea didn't come out of me. So Made by Toby is, uh, for those of you listening, is uh, a range of frozen ready meals. And the reason I'm freezing is to stop land waste, uh, landfill, sorry, and food waste. So 40% of the food, give or take, produced in this country ends up as landfill and which is disgusting and a huge waste of resources. And so by freezing, we absolutely stop wastage from my end. Like when we're actually cooking in the kitchen, we're trying to get this to a zero waste uh, level, but there's, you know, we're coming out with, you know, this much waste that goes into landfill out of making like 100, 150 meals. And that's at the moment, like we've only just kind of really started, but it's like, I was saying to you before, we, I write a recipe and then I work out where every component can go and, and get reused into something else. Yeah, uh, I think freezing is a really good idea. I wish I had done that when I created Nourish because it's still fresh. You're freezing it in its most fresh state and you're you're holding um, and freezing the nutrients as well. And the logistics of getting, you know, the meal from, you know, paddock to plate out to people, you know, in their homes or in the workplaces with ready-made meals, it's, it's a difficult task. So I think you made the right choice there with freezing. Yeah. It's a lot of people do like, it does have a bad rap and I've worked as a, 
I've done a lot of new product development in the past years and, you know, I'll get a brief come through and it's to make a meal that has got 40 days on it. But in reality, they need 100 days on it just in case. And yeah. and it's got to be fresh. And we, you know, end up putting doing stuff like putting blue food dyes into vegetables because once they go through a pasteurization process, they lose the chlorophyll and become brown. No nutrients because they've been cooked for so long. And uh, so I just, you know, I just kind of wanted to allow people to have an option that's not going to make them ill. But I also feel like there's a lot of misleading going on through advertising. And I just wanted to try and do something um, a bit honest, really. Yeah, well, you're a foodie. You know the truth. And this is why you inspire me is you're, you're in the industry and you have been for a long time. You know, you've, you've, you've done your hard yards. And that's probably what created that stressful time in your life because when things go bang and you're on top of the world on top of your game highly successful you know quite famous in your own right that it would have been a lot and then you want to try and maintain that and it becomes impossible so thank you for sharing you know your insights into why food has become important to you Mm, I love food I love food and it's just it's so it is it's important to everybody um you know as a a father now it's like seeing what a lot of the kids are eating uh from and what the parents are giving them and I was working with Jamie's Ministry of Food which does a lot of important work and a lot of these it's not it's not parents fault a lot of the time they're not educated they're following advertising they're following what they've been brought up eating and these generational um eating habits that have been passed along with the diet related disease that comes with that and uh yeah so i'm just one of the big things with my brand i wanted to try and make it not elitist as well i didn't want to take on some of the awesome stuff providor was doing there they've got that covered they're all buddies and i just wanted to provide something that was um you know just, just real food no plumping added water no added preservatives yeah and we do a pretty cool model where i remember jamie said to me once it's like if we all eat less meat then you save a lot of money. We need to eat more vegetables anyway as a society. It's more healthy, more, you know, um, robust greens and and lots of colourful veg. And with the money you save, you can buy a higher welfare piece of meat or fish. And so this is a good thing. We're reducing meat consumption and the emissions that come with the production of that. So basically made by Toby is based off that too. So you can only order food in packs like you've ordered before. And... You can't have in a five pack, five animal proteins. It's like you get forced to eat three meals, which are vegan or vegetarian, but then we're eating uh, free range organic meats and sustainable fish where possible. Yeah, that's so well done. I, and I really enjoyed that aspect of, of, of ordering. Um, and that's absolutely true. If we all eat more vegetarian and pescatarian dishes, even, yeah, eating eating less meat is good for the animals and it's good for us. And it's it's good for the bottom line as well. So good on you. If there's any way I can support you, as I say, you know, please, you know, let's get, let's spread the word about Made by Toby. Um, so tell me, Toby, what does resilience mean to you? That's a really good one. I saw you, uh, I, I remembered before I came on that you sent through some questions some time ago. So I made a couple of notes. I came a bit prepared. So okay. we've got the definition of resilience, which is the dictionary definition, which is kind of dealing with a difficulty. But I think individually it goes way uh, beyond that. 
And um, I've been told before, uh, you know, by a therapist that I'm insanely resilient uh, when it comes to things. I think a lot of that comes from, believe it or not, skateboarding. Um, I started skateboarding when I was like 11. And so with skateboarding, if you're a kind of person that tries to do something, if you're not good at it immediately, you give it up, you, 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 you're not going to be skateboarding. So skateboarding is one of those things where it's really, really hard to do and you get hurt a lot. So you need to be resilient to continue. But putting that aside, uh, it's, it's kind of an interesting one. It's like, does resilience mean you just keep going all the time, which is kind of the example I gave with skateboarding or for me the resilience you know in my late 40s I now understand that it's how you recover from difficult times through a structured processing or process of a feeling so sorry love that so something bad happens to you you're in an accident you have a business go under you lose a loved one you're going to have a lot of emotions yeah and the resilience, you know, because you people can look at you and say, oh, that person's really resilient. But on the inside, you're falling apart and yeah. you're really bad way, but you're doing the fake it till you make it thing. You're smiling and everyone thinks you're fine. So one thing I've learned is that you really need to understand that, and I touched on this before, that uh, a bad situation doesn't define you. It's a life circumstance. Um, and it will come, it'll be there, it'll be really present, and then as time goes by, it'll disappear. What you do with the feelings and the emotions surrounded by that is the important bit. Um, for me, I managed to work through and um, not let mm -hmm. those consume me through things like meditation and yoga. Yes. And How does other, that help you? Why does that help you? Well, it allows me to step away from things. So, uh, you know, when you've got a lot of problems and successful people, unsuccessful, whatever you're doing, everyone's got shit going on in their life and things you've got to deal with. And often people, we as humans, end up with this mixtape going on of the problems just going over and over and over again. And I used to be a huge victim of that when I was working in kitchens. And I'd be had this mixtape going through my head thinking of, um, oh, you know, there's big problems here and oh, it's horrible and it's bad, but that's not a solution. It's just mm. you doing your own head in. So what yoga enabled me to do, which is kind of meditation in itself anyway, is uh, this wonderful thing happened where I'd, I'd come out of doing yoga for like an hour and a half and my mind would be totally clear. So I could actually look at problems and say, all right, one of three or four things going to happen here. I can either solve it, in which case I don't need to worry about it anymore. So let's sit down and work out a structured way that I can solve this. Exactly. Or I can't solve it. So then I don't have a solution. Also, no point in worrying about it um, or letting it get to you. Maybe you can get help or from a friend, loved one, or delegate it to a work someone that works with you that can solve it so therefore you don't need to worry about it or you abandon it and move on exactly do you know the science behind what you just spoke about is that when you um are more present you're more solution focused because the blood runs to the front of your brain away from the limbic system getting you out of that survival stress response from there you can think things through you have clarity in your mind and that's the biochemistry of it but when we're stressed we're stuck in our heads overthinking only going from intellect 
usually stuck in the past or the future and we overthink and we're not solution focused and we always think of worst case scenarios because we're designed to survive. So when you step away from it with meditation or yoga, you're bringing yourself back into the present moment, going with your gut and intuition, which is so insightful when you're more guided. And I start and end my day like that because when we come from an elevated mindset, we can also access joy, love, compassion, resilience. It's amazing. The first time it happened, Amanda, I was... Um... I had stopped working in kitchens. I had a huge workload. I was working largely from a computer and I started doing yoga. I've got the eye thing going on we spoke about. And um, I, it, it was one of the most important things in my life is I've got to lower these stress levels. Like, And once I became aware of it, it didn't become easy, but it was important and I was paying attention to it. But I remember coming, um, I was working from a computer from home a lot because I wasn't in the kitchen and you know, I'm writing recipes. I was probably writing a book at the time or something. And I got home from yoga one day and I always work out of lists. I, the night before I go to bed or in the night, I write a big list of what I got to do the next day in order of priority. Um, and basically I'd get home from yoga and I'd nail this list that would normally take me seven or eight hours in two because there's no, there's no fluff. I'm just yeah. like on the list. Let's start it, middle, finish it, cross it off, onto the next thing. It's Timing is so important when we sit down to do difficult, complex tasks. We yeah, just simplifying it with a clear mind. We're so much more productive, which is why this is not just a health conversation. It's actually a performance conversation. Yeah, well, I mean, healthy people perform better, right? Um, absolutely, absolutely. So, yeah. um, okay, so that's, I love your definition of resilience. That's amazing. Would you be able to share um, something you've been through um, that was difficult for you? Um, I've, I've had a lot of crazy things I've been through in the past years. Some of them have happened to me, have, um, yeah, not been my fault, but I've been involved with it like some horrible things and I think but one of the biggest things was uh the closing of 15 that was really hard because that was uh a lot to do with building issues um that stopped us cooking and when we actually made the call well I, I didn't make the call it, it was hard because I had a business partner and we didn't agree on how um it should close I had one what I thought was a clean way of doing it at the time and he wanted to take a different route and uh I was kind of gridlocked. So and it was the first time I'd been in that situation. And I actually remember I went, I didn't leave my home much for a year because I didn't, I was just feeling really, um, I don't know the word, hurt, angry, a lot of emotions. Oh, God, when you build something, it takes your mind, body and soul and usually 24-7. And then when it ends, yeah, and, and there's lots of moving parts with many different people that are things that are out of your control, you must have felt really sad and defeated. Felt, well, because I was the face of that restaurant, a lot of people were looking to me for answers and I didn't have the answers because uh, the answers were to come from somebody else because they, yeah, so it was, um, it was really hard. hard. That's hard. And, you know, I was doing TV and stuff at that time too. So when I, it was, it was hard to keep a nice, happy face and I just... Um, yeah, I, I think I always want to do the right thing by people and I always try and whether or not that happens, I'm not sure, but it's my intention to do that. And um, 
a lot of people didn't have the right thing done by them during the closing of that restaurant. It was out of my hands and I just felt like I was being dragged behind a car. So, uh, but someone said something very interesting to me and I've noticed during life where I'm cruising, you know, towards 50 now where you read books, people tell you things and it's all, and then sometimes someone can say three words to you that can be life-changing or four words, whatever it is. And I remember being in this, um, you know, dark place, not wanting to leave home. I think at one stage I, I went to the supermarket and there's a, some, the, someone was owed money from the restaurant and they're like, what's going on? And I was like, well, I didn't have an answer for them. And, and I didn't want to go out anymore after that. Cause I just felt, horrible but someone said to me like you're not this problem this is life's well, business it happens every single day and you know you're you're let it, you're becoming the definition of this problem you're allowing that to sort of consume you you're and everything it on you it's the shame yeah. Yeah. for it and it was doing nothing to my health um and once I kind of took that perspective it made a huge difference and um, because when it's your face, you do put it on you. You, you, you know, you you feel responsible because you're leading. But what, you know, most people will realise is there's many moving parts within a business and lots of different decisions that are made that are not just by you. And you had the right intentions. And maybe once you, as you discussed, your definition of resilience is how do you manage those emotions when they're difficult, when you're going through something tough? How did you manage those emotions? I started to manage them through, well, for starters, getting out of a restaurant, I had 80 hours a week of my life back, yeah. which, is, which is double a full-time job. So um, so basically what I didn't know what to do with my time. Like, uh, so I'm meditating by this stage, I'm doing yoga, but I started running, which I'd never done before. And that was a huge thing for me as well, was just getting... Um, you know, I'd pr probably put on a little bit of weight in the kitchen and getting back to a stage where I actually felt really good. I felt good in my body. Uh, and, and mentally, it was a huge thing. But look, I saw a therapist at that stage to help me work through yeah. how to manage those emotions. Um, and I just became such a big fan of therapy. I think it's something a lot of people you know, maybe from the generation before us, look at therapy as something where you go to therapy, if there's something wrong. But a lot of the time I don't go to therapy, there's something wrong. And going to therapy, I go to therapy like once a year, even if I don't need to, just because I believe it just, I come out of there a better person, like just supercharged, it allows you to understand why you're making decisions. And so I think having uh, and, you know, like when you've been in a therapy session, you do 99% of the talking and most of the time you give yourself the answers. But yeah. I think just um, realising, I sort of touched on before that I was just go, 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 go and allowing myself to stop and concentrate on how, um, you know, fast I was going and how... Uh, I wasn't processing information properly and I, I just wasn't looking after myself as well. And then realizing all that, my wife was incredible with that too and came on the same journey. And um, yeah, that, that was how I dealt with it was basically okay. exercise and getting tools like proper yeah. tools from somebody who's trained to give you those tools. Right. And not yeah. Reaching yeah. and getting help and doing the work. So the four words that changed your life. So it's business and it happens. That would have been a huge game changer yeah. when when that really dropped for you? 
Yeah, because you, we mentioned before, you went into a business being green, as did I. And it's very exciting. You've got, you know, cool things happening and shiny graphics. And in my case, lots of TV cameras. And it's really exciting. But then when it's not exciting and it's bad, you don't know how to deal with that stuff because you've been through it before. So, um, and I'm not the first person to go through that, nor will I be the last. And I think it's just really important, you know, for anyone who does go through similar circumstances, like businesses close every single day. And, um, you know, it's, you're not alone. It's hard. Shit yeah. happens. Yeah. There's free help out there if you need it. Call on friends and loved ones uh, who are prepared to sit and listen. Yeah, when I... Um, or reach to- out to me on my Instagram. I'll listen. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's so good for us to talk about this because, you know what, anyone out there giving a business a crack, you're giving it a crack. You know, you're doing your best. If you've got, if you've got the right intentions, it's all a learning curve. And some businesses will keep going and will keep succeeding with, with all that in the mix. And some won't. And it's not a failure. It's not your fault. At least you gave it a go. And that will take you to your next thing and your next thing. And sometimes we need to grow as human beings and souls, you know, into our journey. And it's not necessarily working in the same business for the whole time. Yeah. But there's also, I think, uh, one of the biggest things I learned about business is that, as you said, business happens. And to do something um maybe new like you did and that hasn't been done before and you're going out on a limb and and you know trying to break into a niche or you need to be passionate you need to be creative you need to have drive otherwise it's not going to happen now how do you take those three four five elements that are detrimental to the business Mm -hmm. and then separate that from a implemented structure that's going to make it successful because this is why people go to school and learn about businesses. They can put these structures in place that may make it successful. But chances are most of my creative friends who are amazing chefs, painters, whatever, they, they go into these businesses often with somebody else and they entrust that person to do the running of the, you know, the paperwork side of things. And it often ends up badly. Yeah, often when you don't check and, you know, you're not sort of all over it, but, you know, there's only one of us. So, so many moving parts to something being successful. So many moving parts. Yeah. Like I remember Miguel, who's um, a very famous chef now and probably one of the most beautiful people you ever meet in your life with the biggest hearts. He, he had um, several business troubles and said to me, don't trust anyone go to the meeting, learn everything, and you need to have an understanding of everything. And it's really true because if you want, you, I think a lot of good people get really trusting that people are going to do the right thing by them. And maybe they do for a period of time. And then when things change, everything looks up, everyone looks after themselves, really. So we can take responsibility and we know we did our best when we do have uh, you want to empower the people that work with you to be able to take over and do their bit. But there's nothing wrong with being in the meetings and 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 just having your eyes over it all to understand where where that's at. It's it's actually as a as the leader of a business, it is our job, isn't it, to take that responsibility? Right. Yeah, big time. Yeah. And you know, also as the leader of uh, it's 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 hard being a leader, right? It's like you've got to be. Everyone looks at you when there's problems. Everyone yeah. looks dishwasher or someone doesn't turn up so often you've got to jump in and do that job too and yeah. uh, you've got to be everything to everyone 15 yeah. was 
more than that because you were um, a psychologist, a parent, <laughs> uh, you know, psychotherapist. You were everything. Um, it was crazy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, tell me, what um, was your turning point from when you stayed at home for a year and it was really hard and you were processing all of that and then you started to take care of your health? What was the turning point for you where you really moved on and overcame that difficult time? Well, I mean, having that, that there's a few things to remember with this as well, is that I didn't just stay inside because I was, I was feeling shitty. I stayed, I didn't know what to do because I'd been for the first 15 years of my life or 20 years of my life, I've been in kitchens and yeah. kitchens give you a lot of structure um, in your life. A lot of people like I've had kids working for me in the UK and they come in on their day off because they just don't know what to do. They work, especially in like high-end kitchens where you might be doing double shifts most days. They have a life. They don't know what to do. Their friends are at the restaurant. They'll sit in their little um, you know, room and wait for work to start again. It's a weird thing. So suddenly I was at home a bit like this as well. And I think I, I had a circumstance where we got pregnant and that was life-changing for me. And, you know, the really weird thing was I remember I was like consulting, I was doing TV and I was working largely out of a computer. I had a great life of living in a place, you know, lovely place in a posh suburb in Melbourne and, I got a book deal and can't complain traveling around the world still. And, and I remember sitting there one night thinking, um, and I'd never really wanted kids, but I had this, I think I was sitting there, I had a whiskey in my hand on my nice leather couch. And I was thinking, yeah, shit, like, okay, I don't have a restaurant anymore. Not really money's all right. What, but I'm not even 40 yet. And so what, what happens from here? It's like, is am I going to be sitting here on this couch in 20 years time doing the same thing? Because I don't see anything changing. It's like, and then literally two weeks later, we're pregnant. And so that purpose um, that, that came with bringing, you know, having a child gave uh, probably, you know, the timing was amazing for me and it just, it gave, uh, made me stop thinking about myself I guess and stop being um consumed with every my own life and once you have a kid it's not about you anymore <laughs> really it's, it's yeah. uh about you know same with pets when we had cats were kind of like this before they were our our yeah. absolute everything as well but yeah so I that having that really um gave me a high purpose also changing my cooking style i've been doing uh italian restaurant food very seriously for a lot of years and then pulling away from that because i realized i couldn't cook anything but that when i got out of kitchens i was cooking at home and my life went like this i'd get up go to yoga go to paran market walk around buy ingredients and start cooking dinner at midday because I didn't really know what else to do. It's what I was <laughs> My wife had come home to like a two-course dinner and we started getting happy hips because we're eating restaurant food every night. And she was going to a, a trainer at the time who sort of basically said to her, I don't know what's going on. You're doing, you're coming here three times a week. You're doing everything right. Something's stopping you. And that something was me. And um, 
once she got she called me in to like I felt like I was going to headmasters and she was like what are you what are you doing and I was like oh, I used about this much olive oil and throw some butter and nothing was measured everything tasted great but it was food you're supposed to eat once a week if that yeah. and most nights so she she did this really cool thing where she wrote me a list of what we can have as much of as we want what we can have once or twice a week and what we need to stay away from if George's to get to the body shape she wanted and yeah it wasn't um some hidden secret it's like don't have pasta for dinner every night don't have heaps of butter and cream stay away from processed flowers and uh, potatoes and um, yeah so I think con moving the focus on these problems I'd come out with the closure of a restaurant which had kind of surrounded me for a year I mean they did actually surround me for a year because you know I was in a legal battle with a, with a business partner and there was a lot of hot it was consuming and stressful to me and um, yeah. I'd never that stuff before so suddenly having another focus of Wow, yeah. I'm cooking food now. George is really happy because she's she's doing the work and she's looking like and she's shredded. And then Penguin, my long-term publisher, then asked me to write a book off this stuff. So suddenly I took my life took a turn, you know. Oh, cool. Is that yeah. cool? Like and life takes you in new directions, new doors open. And I call it seeing things from the penthouse when we take the focus of ourselves. And, you know, we can see things from that higher perspective. We can connect all the dots. We feel like things are happening for us, not to us. When we can, you know, just broaden that perspective and absolutely learning that you're having a child would have would have absolutely taken your mind up there. Um, and that's so beautiful. I um, Like, I mean, you can get that from a lot of things. And I think that tool you just described there is one of the most important things you can do in life because and it's really not easy I don't find it easy to do but I mean that's basically what therapy is isn't it is when you yeah. sit somebody puts your problem in perspective absolutely well when we see things imagine a tall building from the ground floor you all you can see is what's in front of you but in the lower ground floor you access lower denser emotions of anger rage worry fear but when you can elevate your mindset and see things from the penthouse, which is what I call a flexible mindset, which is why I called my business Ben Like Bamboo, with a flexible mindset, we can access joy, love, compassion, forgiveness and resilience. Um, and we want to come out of that survival stress response so that we can promote growth and repair. And when I did Nourish, the food was all about that. How do I promote growth and repair instead of, um, you know, our body, when, when our body especially is in survival or a stress response or recovering from an illness? And that was eating green leafy vegetables, deeply colored fruits and vegetables, sulfur rich foods, iodine rich foods, fiber, hydration, and really keeping it quite simple and eliminating processed foods, bad oils, et cetera. So then we had lockdowns and you, then moved on to just as a fun project at home, cooking meals for your friends. And that's how you birthed Made by Toby, right? Yeah, I was doing uh, I was doing a lot of new product development. Like basically with all the experience I've had, I, I've been a gun for hire for, for multiple different things. And it's it's been really good to me. But during COVID, that started slowing down. Um, and, you know, especially in the first year, I was okay. But in the second year, contracts are dropping. And I just thought, shit, I'm... I'm really vulnerable here and I don't own a I actually don't own a business like I am the business my knowledge is the business so um what happens if something happens to me what happens if just you know I just everything starts dropping off and I wasn't 
if I was just being really realistic about it all. And so uh, I remember having a chat to a friend of mine who's, you know, he's in the top 20 chefs in the world. And it's not Jamie Oliver, but he said to me, you know, man, it's like you, you've been bruised since you've had a restaurant closure. I get it. You've got all this knowledge and everything. It's time to invest in yourself again. And you got to believe in yourself. You've got like, so since restaurants, I did YouTubing, I've done lots of TV and I've done built websites. And he said, you, you've told me about all this stuff. You've got all the um, skill set. Maybe they're not perfect, but you can do it to start a brand yourself. So what's stopping you? And Absolutely. I was like, yeah, like, invest in yourself. Stop waiting for somebody else to help you and stop waiting for that next thing and, and do it yourself and do it now. So um i basically was talking to a hipster friend of mine and he is a hipster <laughs> he's really cool and he owns a bunch of restaurants and during covid you know i'm talking to all my restaurant friends and they're having such a hard time and he said to me oh hang on i gotta get the door i got a food delivery i was like oh what, what do you got yeah oh, this girl makes food for us once a week and she drops it off and i was like really like she cooks for your home he said yeah 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 and i was like can i see it we're on facetime and it, She's doing her her thing, but I just thought, shit, I can I can do a lot better than that. Yeah. And I was like, you charging? Oh, you know, this cost seven hundred dollars. <laughs> it's like a big box of food. There was like he had his in laws living with him, and you know, there was a few of them in the house. And I just said, and we're, we're having this conversation. He said, dude, if you do it next week, I'll buy it off you. Yeah. And I was like, okay, so I did. And cool. then the next they bought it, and the next week, and then he told a few friends that just kind of grew. So um, I've spent a year uh, of proof of concept. So basically what I wanted to see, do people like it? Do people um, come back is the main thing. And I've had the same customers for a year. So they just kept on coming back fortnightly or some weekly. But the fact they came back told me that it's not crap. Um, so, oh, yeah. It's beautiful. And, and the menu... Um they're delicious and the choice of ingredients together and the dishes you've created are restaurant quality. Thank you. Well, one of the biggest things I want to do with that, Amanda, is when I've worked for big food brands in the past, what happens with supermarkets is it's a six-month lead-in and you probably know this to come up with a dish. So uh, some like if you want to get, if you see something on the shelf in a supermarket, chances are it's taken six months to a year. So they go through a whole lot of um, the product, the, the concept, the delivery of the recipe to manufacturer samples, to lab testing. We're not even talking about all the graphic design and all that backend stuff. Uh, so what I wanted to have with this was teach myself to do every component. So if something's not working, I can ditch it and move on, which means the business can't really fail. So for example, if I put a Mexican quinoa on the recipe, which I thought was pretty cool, People ordered it once, but they didn't order it again. So I've got all the data in front of me and I'm like, right, that goes. So I yeah. taught my nutrition panels and everything so we can move quickly on stuff. So as a result, anything new, I do really small runs of, like just make 10, 20 of them. Um, and I also wanted with this that although it's frozen, it hasn't been frozen for six months. It's yeah. been frozen for a week, two weeks. Yeah. So anyway, in answer to your question, 
I was cooking this food. Suddenly we're cooking, you know, for quite a few people were coming around illegally during COVID to the garage and getting it out of the <laughs> freezer. And then I was like, right, time to um, let's try and do this for real. So I just kind of rented a kitchen off a friend of a friend one or two days a week, which was the first step. And these customers just kept coming back and it's been going for just a little over a year. And we're just, I kind of realized it, it was perfect because I realized that through this, and I had a lot of these kind of dumb moments where you're like, oh, holy crap, this actually ticks all the boxes of what I want to do in a business. And yeah, yeah I, I literally sat down with a pen and wrote down everything I wanted in a business yeah. and all the things I didn't want. And Made by Toby came out. Uh, I didn't want to have deliveries going out like Uber all the time. We do a delivery window three hours once a week on a Saturday. I wanted to have the ability to do seasonal produce, to use really good quality produce. We get to be able to do that through the structure of a 5, 10 or 20 pack of food. Yeah. Um, and add any preservatives, bulking agents, plumping agents or anything like that. We get to do that through using really good food and, and freezing and obviously no food waste. So I've got a company I'm just starting to work with now that comes and picks up any organic waste we've got, which we get a bit, you know, outside of cauliflower, yeah. carrot. Top. I don't, yeah. I don't do stuff where I don't like, I don't want to make a carrot top pesto for the sake of using that because carrot top pesto to me is disgusting. So this company comes and picks it up and they yeah. take maggots which in turn poop it out and turn it into fertilizer. So where, yeah, basically I'm about to get rid of the bins pretty soon. So yeah. <laughs> um, it, like anything, any deliveries that come, I unpack it straight away and give the boxes back and say, take them back and reuse them and make sure they do. And um, yeah, so. Good on you. Been cool. I think it's really cool. And I think you've taken past experience, you know, you've, process some difficult things you've been through and you know managed and gone out to seek an outsourced help where you've needed it and then you've overcome it and have created something that is in line with multiple skills that you didn't even realize you had until a beautiful friend of yours you know really you know brought that into your awareness and isn't that beautiful we really need good friends around us particularly when we're down you know you really know who your friends are when things aren't that good but that's beautiful and now you um, are applying you know, your gifts and all the wonderful lessons you've learned along your long journey already in business in food. And that's what Made by Toby is all about, which is why I know you're going to do so well. Thank you. I just, um, one of the, the big things I want with this is, is I, I don't know if we're recording or not when we had the chat, but it was just to try and put some change in place where yeah. it's not just about money, um, where it's about people's well-being and it's about the environment and it's about emissions and it's about trying to do something on such a small scale which may grow um my, my you know the biggest thing which would be awesome for me is if one day we can get to a stage where somebody says let's try and copy those guys a bit and we start to influence um and because it's something's got to happen right otherwise the right intentions toby and i'm you're going to have a lot of people that are going to support you and so let's finish with three things you've learned if you can embark any um, lessons that you've learned on your journey and after what you went through with the closing of the business what are the three main things you learned um well just quickly before we go into that, closing the business yeah. was 
go. It hasn't been all dark since then. I've had a lot of good stuff happen, but it did affect me in a big way at that time. And I probably carried around for a little while, but three things that have happened to me, which have been amazing, would never have happened if I didn't close that business was um, bringing on the ability to believe I can, I can tackle anything. So what I mean by that is doing everything myself. So, which has been amazing. When I started a YouTube channel, I don't, I've been in front of the camera a lot, but I taught myself how to edit like a proper editing suite, how to use DSLR cameras, uh, data managing, all that kind of stuff. Building web, I never would have learned to do if I didn't close a business. I now can do a little tiny bit of coding and, and can do some pretty cool stuff with that. I taught myself to make music on GarageBand because I was like, wanted to make all my own music. So it's opened up this um, huge creative thing. So I guess to put that into a sentence is believing in, it's probably, it's almost the resilience thing, isn't it? Believing yeah. that, you know, not, yeah. not being, just tackling anything yourself head on. I believing think is a in yourself and, and, and doing it yourself and, and um, over, that's awesome. I love that. And that's, that's exactly what happened to me too, to overcome um, the ending of Nourish, I had to learn how to be better in terms of taking more responsibility and, you know, being across everything and then um, learning how to do those components that I didn't know how to do before myself, which is very empowering. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Love, love that. What else did you learn? Um, I learned that you need to look after yourself in every single way and that... Uh, yeah, which which is a huge one. I was very lucky because I grew up in a family which is, um, you know, my parents are still together and alive, and they're really been been incredible parents to me. And so I kind of had that that cushioning my whole life, and then which is probably why I got hit so hard when the restaurant closed because it was like, shh, you know, this stuff isn't supposed to happen to me. I've had a lovely life, and so I think having starting to build up that you know, maybe it's becoming an adult where you need to take responsibility, um, you know, and, and, and take, uh, yeah, responsibility that for yourself, your health and your life and the people around you as well. But one of the biggest things I've learned probably recently as we get older is, is just kindness and just trying to be nice and spread kindness because, like, I don't want to sound like a hippie here, but this is a fucking hard world we live in. Like it's not, it's this world, this, this structure we live in is set up to get people to buy things. It pushes people. It's, it's hard. It's really hard. And I've shared a little bit of um, hard, hard things I've been through, but everybody goes through hard stuff. I know you have too. And, and you've been through much harder stuff than I. And um, so I think it just, don't put your head down and get, you know, just all about the daily drag. Look up, a, go for a walk. It's really important. Go get out into nature. Listen, don't do it with the headphones on. Listen to birds. Take it in. Nature is amazing for you. And, yes. and where I live, I'm very lucky. I live 100 metres from the Yarra River and I go walking most days. And, um, and I think I try and make people smile every day. It's like whether you're in the supermarket, you know, <coughs> be, be nice to people and I, it makes a huge difference. Take into consideration everyone's going through some stuff. Give people a break. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Share wisdom, not baggage. Yeah. Yeah. I heard um, a big thing recently is, yeah, don't complain as well. That just spreads. Yeah, because what we say, what we think, what we feel, what we say and what we believe, you know, they're the lenses we see the world through and what dictates that biochemistry and we're typically firing that survival stress response or growth and repair and you know we want to promote growth and repair as much as possible um and toby i can't even tell you how inspiring and um amazing this this podcast has been with you i thank you so much for your time and for sharing your wonderful story Thanks for having me. I'm sorry if I spoke too much. Not at all. all. I could keep going. I could keep going. And, you know, maybe I'll have you back on again because there's so many different things that we could talk about and break it all down. And for sure. Thank you. I'm going to share all of your links in the blog and that'll be spread across all the channels. And I'll see you again um, soon. And I can't wait to order your food again, Toby. Thank you. And thank you for the important work you're doing. It's awesome. Thank you, Toby. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Ben Like Bamboo podcast. Please rate and share the episode with your community or anyone you think may need to hear this episode. If you would like any help with maximizing well-being and flexibility in your life personally, you can see me one-on-one at the private practice in Melbourne or on Zoom if you are not local. You can book in or find more info at benlikebamboo.com. If you would like help remotely, I have a resilience program you can do as an online course with six eBooks and videos on mind, body, food, connection that include resilience and tools that can help you to feel happier and healthier after rebuilding from change, stress or illness. If you would like help with boosting resilience and wellness in the workplace, you can book in for a free Zoom discovery chat The Ben Like Bamboo at Work program can be delivered in person or virtually. And if you would like to inquire about Ben Like Bamboo at school, you can find information on all these programs on my website, amandacampbell.com.au. And you can contact me on email, amanda at benlikebamboo.com. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast. And remember that flexibility builds resilience. And no matter what you are going through, you can overcome it and discover what you are made of. See you at the next session.